Welcome to the Echo Church Podcast. Echo is a group of people in Cincinnati, Ohio, who love Jesus, love hanging out, and are navigating the ups and downs of our faith together. We're glad you're here. like to make lists of things like your top top things like top 10 lists maybe top 10 most awkward services of a church uh top 10 animals you didn't expect to worship with today so we have as a people you know we're just kind of like ranking things often in our minds um uh, if you type in top 10 and then just see what will autofill in your internet search some things that came up in mind was top 10 ways to cook an egg, top 10 most dangerous jobs in America, top 10 Snapchat filters. I mean, you can find, you can rank anything, but perhaps the folks who created the most list of all were the writers of the David Letterman Show. Because in September 1985, they created the very first list for Dave, which was top 10 words that kind of rhyme with peas. And they were doing this to make fun of some rankings that they had read in New York magazines where New York was trying to rank bachelors of the time. And they're like, we can come up with more absurd things to rank than that. So this was their first idea. They were going to do it for maybe a couple of weeks. And 30 years later, they did it every show. And so the very final one in May 2015 was they came up with top 10 things I've always wanted to say to Dave. And they had 10 different comedians, uh, Dave's friends, come in and, and speak one last joke to him. Now, some of the lists over the years were top 10 rejected Jeopardy categories. Uh, number one was moist things. I'm like, Ugh. Okay, top 10 ways people pronounce baloney. Bologna, baloney. Uh, Top 10 reasons I'm glad I'm named Justin Bieber. This was a guy they found in Florida named Justin Bieber who had to talk about the reasons why he loved having that name. And then finally, my favorite one that I found was there was top 10 favorite numbers from 1 to 10. Just find the video clip sometime because how he does it is really funny. I I can't do it justice. But... We're all the time ranking different things. And a lot of times, when people hear today's topic, the Ten Commandments, they think this must be God's, like, top ten list, right? Like, the favorite things God wants humans to do or not to do. But that is pulled out of perspective. When we're reading Exodus this season, and we have studied it from chapters 1 all the way to today, chapter 20, and we have been talking about Israel and, and their journey. And this is a piece of their journey. This commandment list, this top ten list, is a part of a conversation that Yahweh, the Lord God, was having with a group of people. And so we can't pull it out of context because that does things with it that we're not supposed to do. We're going to put it back in its context today and see it as a piece of the journey we're on. We are finishing the book of Exodus today. It does continue. You might notice there are a few more chapters beyond 20. But we're at a nice stopping place. It's summer. We're going to switch some things up. Maybe we'll come back and read more later. 
We could spend so much time just digging into these today, one by one, but we're going to look at them as a whole. We're going to talk about some myths of things that they're not, and we're going to talk about the people that they were given to and how we can read them all together. So that's what we're going to do first, because we probably all have some like ancillary knowledge. So before we even read, let's break apart some things that we might be thinking. Myth number one, top myths that people have of this 10 list. Myth number one, the original language never uses the word commandments. It just says God spoke words. And so scholars will call this the Decalogue, 10 words in Greek. Because there's no, somehow English translators put that little heading there. You might see in your Bible it says 10 commandments. Original language, not there. Myth number two, these were not rules that were immediately meant for the entire world to follow. They were a covenant with Israel, and this was a piece of who Israel was supposed to be. God was inviting a specific group into a relationship with him, and the goal was that Israel as a community would begin to look like God, and God was saying to them, here are some ways that you can represent my character to the world. So we're just starting with this group of people, and this list was meant for them. Myth number three, this wasn't a way to earn God's love. Yahweh, the Lord, we've already read throughout Exodus that God has rescued these people. He has already taken action to say, I heard your cries when you were in slavery and I was pained. I wanted to redeem you. I saw that you were oppressed and I love you and I'm bringing you out. So the love was already there. It already began in love. And this was a way to respond in love. In fact, last week, we read through Exodus 19, and we found all this bit of language in the original wording where God was using a metaphor of marriage. And we said the final thing that a Jewish couple would do in their wedding ceremony was sign a contract listing out This is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do. Here's our expectations for one another. Here's the way to protect and care for one another. And the way this list falls in this narrative, after all this description of God saying, I'm going to come and introduce myself to you. The closest I've ever been, he was going to, this cloud was hovering on a mountain and the people were supposed to draw near. And then there was a trumpet there was, there was, the cloud was like a chuppah. And we said all of these different pieces of this ceremony. And finally, we get to this list. And looking in that way, it was like God said, all right, we're ready. Let's do this together. This is what we want out of this relationship. In the same way today, God's people were arriving into a relationship and responding. In the same way today, Jesus doesn't ask us to fix all of ourselves before we can come to him. Jesus says, come as you are, and as we journey together and we learn about Jesus and we model ourselves after his life, we're going to look more and more like him. We're going to grow. Okay, myth number four, the final myth is this list of ten is not the only thing that Yahweh asked of the people. There's actually... 613 items in the books of Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And there's probably more that weren't written down, but 
These were all pieces of an entire life to set Israel apart, to look different from the nations around them. And they were, they were given in small chunks and different points to demonstrate the way God was communicating and then the way Israel was responding. And so it's a piece of the whole story. And it's all the ways that Yahweh was trying to bring people along, his people, the Israelites. Okay, so those are some myths. Now let's see what God was doing. Yahweh, the Lord, was speaking to a certain group of people. So let's look at them. First, these 10 words were given not to individuals, but to a community. It's hard sometimes because I feel like many of us were kind of taught to read scripture with a very, what does this mean to me? Whereas my faith, right? Now we each individually choose a faith in God. However, what the ancient Israelites understood was that by saying yes to Yahweh, you were stepping into a community. Carmen Joy Imes, an Old Testament scholar, said the ancient Israelites understood that entering into a relationship with God was entering this community of faith in which you had mutual commitment to one another. So when God speaks these 10 words, they are to a whole people. And it It wasn't just about like, I'm making sure that my faith is correct and I'm doing what's right. It's about looking out for each other and the fact that as a community, they were trying to step into a relationship, try to grow together. And it mattered just as much as how your fellow human was doing than what you were doing. And looking out for each other, we're going to read when we see these words in the list. Some of them are directly toward God. But some of them are about how to take care of one another. So this was in a community. And I can imagine that this community bond began very strong because they were a people group who had been enslaved because of who they were as an identity, as a group, as a group that was growing by Egypt. And then that trauma surely bonded them, that they got free together So all this happens as a group. So when God communicates, it's to a group. Number two, the people that we're speaking of, this community, they were tasked with a mission. Again, the purpose of these words and of everything that Yahweh is doing moving forward was to say, I want you to look so much like me that everybody else wonders what in the world is going on. Like, I want the other nations to say, what are they doing? And who is their God that they are serving? The entire point was that Yahweh is saying, I'm going to be the light to the world, but I'm, he's always partnering with people. And he's like, I want you as a human to go shine my light to other humans. And that was the point here, that this group was doing all of this, not just to follow some list, but to become God's character to become the image and the voice of God into the world. And finally, there's a third item that I just haven't been able to shake since, since this study. I just keep coming back to the fact that this was a people who had been enslaved. And everything always seems like rules that constrain us. But I'm looking again and seeing how free the, these ten words must have been for people who had been so oppressed for so long. So now, 
put aside some myths. We've looked at who the audience is and the intent of the message. So let's read this together. I'm going to be reading Exodus 20, verses 1 through 17. Excuse me. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven, above, or on earth, beneath, or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous, passionate God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of Yahweh your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreign person residing in your towns. For in six days, Yahweh made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, or your neighbor's wife, or the male or female servant, ox or donkey, anything that belongs to your neighbor. So, maybe some different perspectives come to mind. Here's some highlights that stood out to me. We started our time in Exodus chapter 1 with a quote from theologian Esau McCulley that said, the Exodus narrative reveals God's character as the one who liberates. And before God spoke another word of things to do, he identified himself. God said, I'm the one who brought you out of Egypt, who gave you freedom. And he's like, here's what I'm bringing to the relationship. So right up front, he identifies himself as a God who cares about their freedom. Therefore, he says, let go of the other gods. Choose me. I'm the one that brought you out. Okay, item number two, no idols. Israel would have seen so many idols for so many years in Egypt. There was all these different ways that you could represent different gods and goddesses among the ones that Egypt worshipped. So God's just saying, you know what? That's not me. I'm not, I don't look like that. I don't look like that. You don't have to make anything that looks like that. I made the earth and the things, and you don't have to make an animal or a star in the sky to look like me. It's like, I just come like me. And in Genesis chapter one, if you know anything about the creation story, God says, let us make humans in our image. God's like, I've already made some things in my image and it looks like you. Don't have to make anything else. But notice this comes with a blessing that might be kind of hidden By doing so, by not making those idols, do you see where it says, it's like 
showing love to a thousand generations, it mattered what they did because they were passing it on. It matters what humans do now because it affects tomorrow. Lots of tomorrows, generations of tomorrows. The third one said about not misusing God's name. Sometimes we misinterpret that as just certain language that we use. But yet God has been speaking and talking about Yahweh, his own name, saying this is what you can call me, but also when you go out, you represent my name, you bear it, you carry it, you live it in the world. And so it's more than just what we speak, it's how we behave. And it's the heart behind anything we say, anything we do. I'm saying we, it's the community of Israel, but that is how we talk about misusing or representing God's name. Is will the people live like God's character? That represents his name. Are they doing things that is against who Yahweh says he is? Then that's misusing it. And it says he was going to hold them accountable. The fourth about Sabbath. Think about Sabbath. For us, it might be hard to slow down or stop or just not do anything for a day. But for people who never had a choice for their entire lives, none of these Israelites had freedom. They lived as slaves. Did slaves get a day off? I don't think so. What a gift. One whole day. You don't have to hurt yourself today to provide what you need. God will give it to you. He will sustain you. He will let you rest in his presence and make sure you have enough. What a gift Sabbath would have been to people who came from slavery. The last six items are all about other people. We said there was the things toward God, the things toward other people. And I heard someone quote Dr. Daniel Block, a retired Bible professor, who said this list for him was bill of other people's rights because this is about protecting and caring for the vulnerable and for the discarded among them. So, the one about honoring parents. Again, this is for the entire community and you think about it. Honor the generation who raised you, who lived where people were disregarding their dignity and yet somehow they raised you into adulthood, who lived in a degrading society and yet they came out and are now free. Honor them with your freedom and you set the tone for generations. This live long in the land, it's not about individual living really long, it's like generations will live and honor those who came before them if you start them down this path today. None of us got where we were on our own. Honor that generation ahead of us. Six through ten. A lot of knots. Shall not, shall not, shall not. But look again from that former slave perspective. Murdering, taking people's spouses, stealing, lying, coveting. Can you imagine Israel and Egypt? Do you think they saw those things? Do you think Egypt cared The empire cared about the way they treated the people they're trying to annihilate. They just take what they want. They say whatever they want about someone, destroy reputations. God was saying, there is a better way. You 
are having power now, he says to Israel. You have your own power. What are you doing with it? Are you living in the way that people abused the power against you? Are you limiting yourself in order to honor other people? Be different than the way you were treated. Carmen Imes again noted that even within Israel, there was still a structure and that male heads of households did have some more power than others in that community. And she said, in this limiting way to put limits on anyone's power, it was so that everyone in the community would flourish because Yahweh had higher expectations. Use your standing with honor because that's what represents Yahweh's name. So now, we've read through it all. We've hit some highlights. Could go real deep in each one of them. But overall, we're reading this anew, hopefully, because the ways that people interpret this most famous passage of Scripture can do something about God's reputation. And maybe it's made you felt a certain way at certain times in your life. And maybe it gives you certain feelings about who this God is who wants a relationship with people. So hopefully we're opening it up to see it was a communication of a lifelong relationship that God wanted with people. Not even for their own lives, but for all time. And so reading in those words, we're trying to open that up to remind us that the God who saved Israel is the same God who reaches out for relationship today. And as we said, if this was this metaphor of marriage continued from Exodus 19 into 20, what if we read these vows <clears throat> in a way that someone was saying some vows to you, to me? I choose you. I saw you first. I loved you. Won't you choose me in return? Word number two. Don't go looking for me anywhere else. I'm right here. Here is who I am. Word number three, we're making a name together now. Let's go represent it well to the world. Word number four, let's spend time together. Take a break from it all. Be in one another's presence. Word number five, let's honor the people who got us here, people who provided for us, who mentored us. And words six through 10, let's make sure we're taking care of our community. Let's protect people made in God's image. Let's not run out on each other. Let's trust that we have enough and we don't need to take anything from others. Let's not run our mouths about our neighbors and let's not compare ourselves either. There's gonna be people with more and people with less. Let's be good stewards of what we have. Those are, those are some vows that sound approachable, right? That sound caring, that sound like a way to take care of one another and stand out as different. It's not craving power. It's lifting others up. It's honoring the Lord who brought us together. Israel was asked to live up to some high standards set by a God who loved them because God wanted them to be the humans to show other humans the way of God's wisdom. And Israel had hundreds of years to try and again, 
Historic spoiler alert, they didn't, they didn't do it well. They struggled. But God had a plan. He had another plan because he knew Israel wasn't going to live up to the full plan. And eventually God came to earth as Jesus and said, let me live out the covenant for you. This is what it really looked like. And he fulfilled all those 613 commandments, laws, whatever you want to call them. Jesus lived them all out. All those expectations met. And then he said in Luke 22 that he was bringing a new covenant. This, these words Jesus spoke at the last dinner he ate on earth. And he said, this cup is the new covenant by my blood, which is poured out for you. And that word, those key words, new covenant. Yahweh established a covenant with Israel and Jesus said, I'm shifting it up a little bit. We've got something new going on. Trust in me. I've lived this out to perfection. Let's enter into relationship with Yahweh with a clean slate, a fresh start. Stick with me and we've got a new thing going on. Jesus through his death and resurrection, offers us new chances when we break vows. And he offers us hope that anyone can cling to. We, today, are still invited into a relationship with Yahweh. All of this journey, this narrative that we've been reading through Exodus, that we're reading about this story of a people that love that we've seen there, God is still inviting us not to do things to earn freedom, not to do things to earn our love, God's love. He's provided that. Jesus demonstrates that. It's already been provided for us and we get to respond. We get to respond to, to look differently, to try to honor other people made in his image and to go to a God who brings us together who wants the best for us. And we get to go and we get to decide to join a faith community and together go before the Lord. And I find hope in that. I find it, it's been eye-opening for me to walk through Exodus and to be like, who is this God? Because I really love Jesus and this Old Testament God has been intimidating. To me, to be honest. But stepping through Exodus and trying to look at the ways that the same Yahweh shows up as Jesus continues to pull the picture together for me. And so I hope that when you, when you think about Yahweh, the Lord God, when you hear people speak of this God, I hope that you will have that perspective of the love and the care and the community that God makes us a part of. And the Spirit shows up in wondrous ways, and it might look like a pigeon someday, but the Spirit is here among us, seriously. <laughs> Makes us laugh, creates some interesting creatures, and creates all of us. I hope you've found new perspectives of who God is and know that he wants a relationship with you individually, but with us as a community. And that's what we want to keep doing and this summer we've talked about, and we're going to lay it all out for us and some more details. So make sure you're on our mailing list. But we want to try to 
lay it out this summer to be like, we're going to serve together. We're going to live together. Next week, we're going to have a fellowship time and eat a meal together, bigger meal than our communion. We want to have lunch together, a long fellowship time. We want to find ways to serve each other and to step out into our community and serve others in the name of Yahweh together as a church family because we represent God's name in Cincinnati. So how are we doing that? I hope you'll stick with us and keep stepping forward together. We are going to end a time with a, with a small meal. And it's that reminder of Jesus' new covenant. The juice represents the blood he shed on the cross. The bread represents his body broken. But also, he rose again. He did not stay in the grave. Thank you, Jesus, for offering us a new covenant, fulfilling the one that you created for Israel and opening it up to all of us, to the world. Help us to represent your name to our city, to our world. Move through us as Echo Church, as a community of believers, as a family longing to look like you, to serve you, to love you together. Thank you for inviting us into a relationship. We lift up your name Yahweh, Jesus, Holy Spirit. Amen.
Thank you for the gift of your attention today. If you ever want to join Echo Church in person, we meet on Sundays at 1030 a.m. You'll find us at 1301 East McMillan Street. That's in the Walnut Hills neighborhood of Cincinnati, Ohio, just up the street from our city's beautiful Eden Park. Find out more about us on our website, echochurch.org. Have a great week.